0: should we try to hide salaries from staff we just reviewed our annual budget with the team and the whole salary section was taken out but at the same time bits and pieces appear all over grant applications in the 990 and everywhere
1: else is this silly (laughs) i like the word silly (laughs) (laughs) it kind of is and i mean it's i think it's more of a Philosophical question than it is like a true yes. You should do this exactly no, right. I agree. So, so like my opinion generally is exactly what you said is you. On one hand, like there are going to be inequities between what people are paid because when people come in, to you know, there are people that have been there longer. Somebody maybe was super aggressive on the way they negotiated their salary and you were desperate for that particular role. Um, Somebody came in and the the hiring manager had a soft touch and like gave that person way more money than they deserved. Um, Somebody got a weird bonus one year that ended up going to their salary. So you're going to end up with all of these, like people that are pretty much, especially in larger nonprofits, people that are doing pretty much the same job, but have all very varying levels of salary. Right. And and that inevitably causes conflict. So especially if I'm doing the same amount of work as you and you're getting paid Exactly. third more than me, exactly. it's going to make me grumpy. It is. Right? So 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 that's I think that's what you're going that's that was the instinct about covering up the salaries just to sort of prevent that that amount of friction between employees about how can they get paid more than I do cuz they suck and I'm super good, right? right? And and you don't that's just something that you don't necessarily want to add to your nonprofit so at the same time, you're right. The salaries show up everywhere. They show up. Um, they show up in grant applications. They show up yeah. on the 990. They show up everywhere during the budget process. Like there's, it's probably not that hard to get that information out. There's, there's no requirement that salaries remain confidential. There's no, there's no agreement between employees and employers that you don't get to tell anybody what my salary is. Exactly. Um. So, so I think on one hand, you you kind of need to just sort of. I mean, my opinion. I think they need to be public. I think you need to own it, and you need to make people understand that, like, it's your responsibility to negotiate your salary. Like, and 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 you may be unhappy with it. So let's come up with ways for you to be paid on on a level that you think is is different. So I'm a bit more cautious than you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I I like philosophically the idea <laughs> of transparency and salaries being public, uh-huh. and to do that. I would want, if I were an organization going that direction, I would want to make sure I could back up, not that I owe it to anybody, but that I feel good enough about our salary and our compensation process. How do we determine it? Do we have a compensation policy? Do we have ranges, salary ranges based on market research that we've done to? educate ourselves. And yes, someone who's got a lot of experience who comes in and applies for a position versus someone who's just starting out is going to get paid differently and being able to share that with the staff. So I'm more about wanting to share the, I'm okay with sharing salaries if all that other stuff is in place. My personal opinion is very few organizations have done that well, or have that kind of thought that is put into that. And they're going to have a hard time defending it, and they're going to create tension and turmoil and conflict in the workplace that that until, that until doesn't need to exist. And maybe they work toward that and try to get the House in order so they can get to a point where they say that. Now, the other part, so the, I guess the positive, I'm going to be like, you know, pro and con here. I guess the positive, besides the transparency, is you know, with this whole sort of sense out there that minority and female employees don't get paid as much as others. It also puts a magnifying glass, which I love, right? Like I think cool as a woman, I want to make sure I'm getting paid the same as my male counterpart. Now the employer could also come back and say, well, the male negotiated more and you didn't negotiate when you came into this position, whatever. I don't know if you want to get into those conversations like with, like I love the transparency, but as an employer, God, do you need to, there's enough internal conflict within an organization. Do you want to add this additional tension point in the organization? And yes, can employees see, I don't think you have to like really try to hide it, but I'm also like, do you want to broadcast it and put it, you know, I mean, you look at state employees or government employees, you can find out what anybody makes. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, it's, it's an, I don't know, like how much of this is about just full transparency. And I, I'm more cautious about full transparency is great when you have a good system in place. I really worry about what happens. Like you lose employees, the cost of losing employees, the morale that happens if you don't have that in place and you have, you are not prepared to have those conversations with people when they start to get, you know, upset.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're a hundred percent right. I think you're a hundred percent right. The, I think they, the you should, organizations should look to how do we get to 100% transparency with our employees.
0: Yes. Right?
1: They should, they, that it. should be a goal. That's the goal. Right? Is like, let's figure out how to get to 100% transparency yeah. with employees. And those are great conversations to have with once once everything is out in the open. Because if everything's hidden and you have these disparities in pay between different classes of yes. kinds of people, um, that... That if there's still disparities in pay and it's being hidden, that's a bad thing for your no, nonprofit. Absolutely. That's not something that you—that's not something that you want to defend no. later on. No. If it's out in the open and you can say this is these are the rules that we use to put things in place, this is how we set our compensation. And, and to be honest, like we know how nonprofits really work. Like right. the first person got paid because the board of directors said, "and we're going to pay you this exactly. much money," right? And that was like it was just like you know, God said, this yes. is the answer. And so that's <laughs> what we did, any, right. Yeah. With no justification, no justification, yeah. no knowledge, anything like that. So, so in some senses you need to, you're going to spend an awful lot of time building yeah. the structure that supports the existing salary structure. And, and at that point, you know, you may need to level some people, you yeah. know, I, it's, I think it's impossible probably if you want to keep someone like no one's ever walked into someone's office and said, Hey, we realize you're so far out of range, right. right? That we're going to lower your salary, yeah, right. But what we have, like, so what I've done in the past, like as CEO of a pretty significant organization, of people that did get out of range because at some point somebody made a dumb mistake and hired somebody with way too much money, or they had it, they were originally hired in a different role, and then over time their role has diminished, and so they're now doing a different job, they've been moved into a different position, but we didn't change their salary from the old salary to the new salary, so they're completely out of range, yeah. Um, And so those are, it's hard to justify when you're just like sort of looking at the whole thing as a wide picture. But what happens is like when everybody is eligible at the end of the year, based on their performance review, they're eligible for a three to 5% increase in salary based on performance. This person, you say the range for your salary ended about a thousand dollars or $5,000 less than where you're at now. So as much as I'd like to give you more money, like I can't, I right. can't increase your salary. We can, we can turn it into a bonus, so that there's at least something for right. you to go for. But I can't increase your salary because you're completely out of range for the position you're in. So, and people, I mean, I think employees understand that. I think they do. Um, but yeah, getting that, you're right, getting that structure in place and being able to defend it is sort of a long term process. But I think would be a it would be an would intelligent be great goal for most. I nonprofits.
0: love the goal. And you know, I was thinking about how many people have you ever heard say, "I'm paid too much," versus you start to let, you Know, start to share publicly all the salaries, and that it's you're never gonna have someone say, I'm paid too much, I'm overpaid, <laughs> right? But you are going to definitely have people they're saying, think it. What the heck? <laughs> they may think somebody it. may think it. They they look may it may at think everybody it.
1: else that's doing the same job as them, and they're over by ten thousand dollars, yeah, and, they and think, they're like, Yikes, like, how did that happen? Yeah, right? I mean, they may think they it, they'll
0: never say it out loud, right. but, right? but instead, you're gonna get all the squawkers. Well, I'm why am I not paid enough? Am I not as good as her or him or whatever? I, you know, it's so yes, I think being able to, I mean, what a cool, I would love to see an organization who does that and maybe could come on here and share with us maybe there's one that exists that share with us a little bit about how they did it and what what worked well for them because i i think there's a lot of risk with it but if we if it's done the right way what a cool thing for the sector Nonprofit
1: governance. Nonprofit answers. Nonprofit board. Nonprofit management. Nonprofit marketing. Nonprofit resources. The Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits presents Nonprofit Everything, the podcast about everything nonprofit. With your hosts Andy Shurit and
0: Stacy Wedding. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Everything. This is Stacey Wedding, and I'm here with my lovely, wonderful, smart-as-all-get-out co-host, Andy Schurrock. How did you like all those compliments? (laughs) And um, a special thanks to Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits, who makes this possible. So we're uh, here at their service and here at your service. So make sure to send us your questions and uh, visit us at nonprofiteverything.com.
1: This episode of Nonprofit Everything is sponsored by the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits Job Board, your one-stop shop for the next step in your career. Searching job listings is totally free and and members receive a big discount when posting new jobs. There are dozens of nonprofit jobs available right here in Nevada, and there are out-of-state jobs too. Find it by going to the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits webpage and clicking the Job Board button or access it directly at jobs.alliancefornevadanonprofits.com or find the link in the Nonprofit Everything show notes. I'm young and new to the nonprofit sector. Everyone I work with is kind, experienced, and older, but rather unintentionally, they always make comments that feel demeaning to me. One coworker has called me a baby. My manager constantly asks how my parents views my new position or what project I'm working on, even though I've never heard them ask anybody else about someone's partner, parent, or child's opinion on their job. How do I present myself as humble and ready to learn more, but still be respected as a regular employee?
0: I know how frustrating this can be. I- think back to uh, when I started in the nonprofit sector in my 20s and I felt like every comment was about my age or, you know, how could I be doing what I'm doing at that age? Or there was always this like comment. Right. And it was really unnerving. Um, so I'm going to just share from my personal experience. I chose to. Suck it up and let those comments be had, um, but try to prove myself with my actions, my behaviors, uh, taking more of a leadership role. So I would, you know, if I went to a conference, I'd say, you know, can I organize a a group of us over a working lunch to just share some of what I learned? So I tried to put myself in positions where I, I started to prove, like get people past the age thing and go, wow. Wow. Like, you know, this is someone who knows her stuff or who's really committed or who's, uh, you know, got leadership qualities or, or whatever that looked like. And so over time, that started to shift. And I was still young, but that started to shift. But it, it took time, right? So it took time and me just proving and me not really, when I'd get those comments, I would smile politely, but I wouldn't feed into it. I would just you know, it, it was sort of like, I'm not going to just add to it. So I, so I don't know if that helps, but I'll like, I, and I know probably this, that's the worst thing for the person who wrote this going, Oh my God, I don't want to wait and deal with these stupid <laughs> comments. Right? right. But for me, it's like the proof is in the pudding and over time. Then it, then I started like it transitioned from, Oh, you're such a baby. You're so young or whatever. And then it transitioned to, wow, you're a wise soul you're an old soul so for your age and so then i was like okay whatever i'll take it and and you know it's i, I guess to some degree and now i can say as someone who's middle age um i miss those days of, of the, uh, the the young <laughs> comments now i know that doesn't help this person right now but i, I guess that would be my take on it um I don't know. What do you think, Andy? What would you do?
1: So, so I'm trying to, I mean, it's been a long time since I've been in that position. But I, I mean, I do remember as soon I was, as I was old enough to grow a proper beard, I grew one for, for a very similar reason. Because I've always, I've, I mean, I'm way older than people think I am. People have no idea how old I really am, <laughs> which is fantastic. And I love it that way now. But back then, um, and, and I, you know, my, I think I didn't have similar feelings only because I'm kind of oblivious okay to other people's opinions of me and which is never good. And, you know, has caused me all kinds of other problems throughout my nonprofit career, <laughs> yeah. which is because like, I don't, it doesn't like what people think of me has rarely been um, something that I am concerned with. And I've also cultivated and this helped. I mean, and I think, you know, the, I, I think the, the question, I don't, I don't know what gender the person is that's asking. Um, I, I early on sort of also have cultivated an interesting scowl, that Ooh. I've always used just because I'm kind of blind, <laughs> so I've had glasses since I was a little kid. Yeah, and I, it takes me my eyes a while to focus on something, and so when I look at somebody, like my first instinct is to scowl at them because I'm trying to figure out who is standing there, like who are you? Oh, because it takes a second for Yikes. me to register who that person is, and so so I think you know this for for me that's never happened um, necessarily, but I I get that that being different, that you're somebody that's different. So I'm guessing because in the question you said that like everyone else that you work with is older.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so there are a couple of approaches you could take. Number one, you could just like feel like the same way you might about your dad, right. Or your grandpa, <laughs> right. Which is just like, ah, like, so, right. so everybody has, everybody has somewhere in their family. And like my, all my grandparents have passed on by now. Um, but like they, when I think back at the kinds of things that my grandmother would say, like, or my grandfather would say, like, they were horrifying. Like, right. they were, and at the same time, you're like, you love them. And, you know, but at this, you know that what the things that they're coming out of their mouth are completely wrong. Like, you just like, how can you believe that? That's so old of you <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to think these ridiculous things that like today we don't say that kind of stuff. Very, anymore, yes. Right. So, so like remembering that, you know, there is going to be some sort of generational difference between you and these people. And that, that, that you're never going to convince them that, that that they're not old and you're not young. Like that's not something that's a physical difference that you're never going to be able to change. So, so you can either one sort of accept that old people kind of do old people stuff. And like, you know, they're going to ask like, Oh, they're going to ask about your kids. Like, God forbid you get to a job and then you have kids because the only thing that anybody that's older than you and has had kids or their kids are moved on or whatever wants to talk about is your kids. And you're like, that's great. I'm so glad you're interested in my kids. Yes. I've got a picture of them on my phone. I've got some work to do with you right now. and I don't want to talk about my kids. <laughs> I just dropped them off at school. Yes. They're gone for a little while so that I can I get, get some a break. work done. <laughs> <laughs> get a break. Right? So so like there's always going to be these like, you know, just like like these interpersonal things that are going to be really, really irritating. And I, I guarantee you this is the first one in a long line of really irritating interpersonal things that people are going to do. It's like just the difference between you and other people sometimes is going to cause friction. So that's one thing. You can either just like – Agree to accept that old people do goofy stuff and you can't, you can't control it. The other thing you can do is to be super passive aggressive about it. And if somebody says something that makes you uncomfortable, and this sort of depends on who you are too. Like, like some, I I fully recognize that some people cannot do this or they will get in trouble. They will get fired. um, Society frowns on it. But if, if you are the kind of person that can handle this kind of thing, if somebody says something to you that you find offensive, like either, either turn it around I was thinking that <laughs> right I, was something like how old are you or or like I think and I, I think Trevor Noah this is Trevor Noah is talking about the way his mother um, used to deal with problems like, okay so someone would say something horrible to Trevor Noah's mother and and she would just like grab it all turn it into the largest amount of love and return all of that as love like just completely reverse it and return it all as as much love as you possibly can wow. so so either you can be super passive aggressive about it or you can just like try to embarrass them with how ridiculous they're being with these stupid questions.
0: I, yes. And I, I totally, that did, I'm going to admit that crossed my mind when (laughs) I, I, when I heard this question, but I also thought, okay, if you, it sounds like you want, I mean, given the question is how do I present myself as humble and ready to learn more, but still be respected. I, I really think the answer to that is, is the idea of how you show up every day. What I do think, as much as we don't want to say it, but how we dress, what we talk about on our breaks, uh, if they overhear you on the phone all the time, um, doing anything that is, um, you know, that, that comes across as young. I think that adds, it adds to that sort of perception. So for me, I just didn't give people, I was like, I'm not giving you that. You don't get to you know, you don't get to see that side of me. Like that side is saved for after work or like on the weekends with my friends. So for me, I took the very much approach of, okay, I'm going to dress and act, you know, like these other people, which probably made me an old funny duddy at a young age. But I, but I sort of just was like, I, I'm going to be like that. But then I also, so I did that for a couple of years, but I wanted, I wanted then to tell you about like, at one point I switched it and this is another thing. And I started thinking, you know what, my age, because I was, when I was in my twenties, I was working with two people that were in, it was only me and two other people and they were in their sixties. So it's me in my twenties, these other ladies in their sixties. And you know what I did is I also started thinking, I have a, my age is a strength. They have no clue about the apps or the technology or the stuff that I know about. So I'm going to become this invaluable resource because I've got kind of this younger pulse on things and know what's going on. So I also think you could look at it as like a huge opportunity to become like the expert, even if it is because you're younger and you're more, you know, I don't know, you know what's going on in the world where some of these don't. Like, I think you could also like use that to your advantage if you can. And then, I don't know, grit your teeth. And then, I don't know, do the, have the internal monologue about what you would really, really like to say to them. So I,
1: But there, you know... I like that. I think that's a smart way to go. I I would encourage if if you're the kind of person that can pull it off, I would encourage being being honest with people. If somebody says something to you that makes you uncomfortable, it's yes, it's it's important to let them know what you just said. I found uncomfortable. I, you know, I mean this with the most respect, and I know you didn't mean it in the way that it came off to me, but but it makes me uncomfortable when you call me a baby. Yes, like and I just. If you could stop doing that, that would be amazing. Right. Yes. And then, you know, either you'll get one of two reactions you'll get, you know, indignance, <laughs> which is like, I can't believe they said that. Right. Or, they'll, or you'll get, you know what? I apologize. I'm very sorry for that. I will stop doing that. Right. And then they know about it. And then they'll, you know, bring you cookies and stuff. <laughs> Do active board members who leave due to term limits generally stay active with the organization? Is there a standard for this outside of an emeritus board?
0: It's really a mixed bag. So if you think about it, and I'm sure everyone listening has probably, you may have served on a board or seen board members that are so burned out, right? They're tired if if they've served all their terms, if they've actually been an engaged active board member. They're tired and they're they're ready many times to move on. Um, And so with those folks, I don't think the engagement, re-engagement or continued engagement happens right away. I think they need a little break to step away, right? And then you've got others that you can't, you know, get off your board soon enough. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) We know those. But I honestly think it comes down to having a conversation when you know someone's going to be terming off soon. I think it's a great conversation to have. I, I mean, you can look at it almost like, and I think we've talked about this in a prior episode, almost like an exit interview for the board member, but sort of talk to us about the board service, right? And and then what way would you like to, we'd love to have you still engaged in some fashion, do you have any interest? And really kind of get in a pulse check on that. And and they may say, you know, not right away, but why don't you come back to me? But but if you don't have that conversation, you don't even know. And I think people make these assumptions. It's I think it's actually, we do a really poor job in the nonprofit sector of holding on or engaging past board members who who gave a lot, right, theoretically of perhaps resources, time, all that stuff. And so how do we figure out how we keep them connected because they cared about us at one point, right? So it seems to me like such a lost, just like sort of the whole concept of donor retention, where everyone spends all this energy trying to get new donors, just like people spend energy trying to get new board members. Well, what about the ones that did serve? I mean, you could have a pool of ambassadors if you do it the right way.
1: Yeah, that's, I've never thought of it that way. It's kind of like, you know, the difference between an acquisition campaign and a, a cultivation campaign with directors, yes. right? You're, you've got these people engaged. And so, so how do you feel about Emeritus Boards? It said Emeritus Boards, and I've, I've got mixed feelings about Emeritus Boards.
0: Do you? Well, I have, so I don't have mixed feelings. I'd love to know your mixed feelings. So I am a huge proponent of, and I don't know if I would call it an emeritus board. I would call it emeritus directors and, or emeritus trustees. And, and what I would say is that for it to work well, you need to have clear criteria of what, not like who should be invited to be an emeritus director. Because what I see happen is Everyone just says, oh, you're rotating off the board. We're going to plunk, you know, we're going to plop you on this emeritus thing. Right? And I, I, I no, but then nothing's done with it. There's no definition of it. It's just like when people say, let's set up an advisory council and they don't have any structure for it. It feels the same way to me. So where I've seen it done Well, is when you actually say it is an honor and privilege to be on an emeritus board, you have had to serve all your terms. You've had to hold an officer position. You've had to go above and beyond sort of the normal call of duty. So it means not everybody gets invited to be on an emeritus director. And so I've seen that work so well because, you know, board members who who really want that sort of badge of honor will work toward it. and And, you know, those who were sort of, you know, half-assing it, don't, you know, don't, don't actually, you know, they don't get invited. Like, guess what? You didn't earn the (laughs) privilege to be on the emeritus board and to still have whatever rights the emeritus board has. So I don't know what, what are your mixed? I'm curious why you have mixed feelings about it. I think
1: I've, I've seen it just, I mean, it, it may just be that too, that it's, it's a, a holding spot for board members that are no longer participating, but you want to have their name involved with the organization somehow because, they run a company or they're famous or right or They used to be the governor or whatever. Right. So that's the, that's the holding spot for people who actually do absolutely nothing, but you want to have like a sports star's (laughs) name attached to your organization. So, so if, I mean, if there's a, a purpose to it, if it is an honor, if there's some like roles and responsibilities for, for somebody in that position. And, and I think that's, that's where I've, I I'd probably just don't know enough to know like what, what a good emeritus board even does. Is it, is it really just letterhead for somebody that frankly can't give you the time of day, but you want to, you know, you want to keep their name around?
0: I think most organizations are using it incorrectly. If if you really hold true to what it should be, it really should be a select group and, and not, I mean, and it would be rare. There could be some years where you have three board members rotate off and none of them get invited to be emeritus, and that's okay. So it's sort of a really kind of prestige level. I think there's other ways. If you want to still keep someone's name, you can just, you can literally call it. Past board members or right, I mean, you can mm-hmm. call it a different category or you can if you have an honorary council, whatever you know there's so many different ways to slice that, but um yeah i I think people are using emeritus incorrectly, and I actually really wish it wasn 't just a you know you get you rotate i mean I was actually just talking to an, another organization about this the other day, and they <laughs> they literally have board members that were the most dysfunctional, horrible human beings on this board. (laughs) And they have them listed right on their website as emeritus board members. And I'm like, Oh, like, and, and it, actually really bothered some board members when they realized this had happened. They didn't even realize people had just been placed on this emeritus board and it's because no one had a conversation. There were assumptions made. Right. Oh, you right, you get off the governing board and you move to emeritus. Well no, that's not the way it should work.
1: So so I mean it's kind of not the question, but what should an emeritus board do? Like so if if you really are Because the, so the tone of the question is, is that you've got a super engaged board member and they're terming off for whatever reason and, or they're terming off because they're terming off, right? And you want to make sure that you don't lose some of that energy. Um, And it's say assume that the board member feels the same way. Like what's a, what's a good next step Is, 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 is an emeritus board, the right, like one that's set up correctly. Is that the right vehicle for that person? Or is there something else, you know, just convert them to a super volunteer or.
0: Right. I mean, I think it's, I think so much of it, again, depends on how you set up the criteria. So let's say this was a superstar board member that you really think should be emeritus. And then what it would mean as emeritus, I mean, you can define it, but what I've seen work well is you say, we're going to have an annual gathering where you get to meet with our current board members. And we have sort of a social engagement where it's sort of everyone who's ever been a board or is emeritus board member meet with our current board. I've seen um, sometimes there's a contribution tied to it. Sometimes it's just like, we're going to, update you on a quarterly basis we want to have you just come and connect with us um to just hear what's going on so so there's a lot of ways that people structure these emeritus um Boards. as Some say, "Oh, you can come to board meetings. You don't have voting power, but you can come to board board meetings. You can come have the snacks. You can come have the snacks (laughs) and listen. Like, who would want to do that, right? Let's be honest. (laughs) Maybe they're really good snacks, but oh, maybe I was (laughs) like, whatever. Um, but so yeah, I think it kind of depends on all of it. Like, if you have these different categories to put people, what are the criteria for them, and what's kind of the charter job description of them, and then you, then you see where that person fits, rotating off your board, right? And it could be superstar volunteer. Maybe they just still serve on a committee, right? Right. Maybe they're on a committee if your bylaws allow it. So.
1: All right, that's it. You did it. You got to the end of another episode of Nonprofit Everything. Just to remind you, Nonprofit Everything is a production of the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits. So go check out alliancefornevadanonprofits.com. Uh, website is relatively new. There's a bunch of cool stuff on there, so go check it out. If you're not a member, please be a member. There are a bunch of ways that you can support this podcast. You can send us a question. You can share it with someone. Uh, one of the cool things that we're starting to do now is if you go to the Facebook page, there will be individual questions occasionally posted, so that makes it easier to forward to somebody so you're not saying Hey, I'd like you to spend an hour—or not an hour, but a half an hour—with the Indian Stacy. So now you can spend like three minutes, because that's we're much more bearable than short amounts. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Bite-sized chunks, exactly. Uh, but thanks for listening, and we will see you in a couple of weeks.